0: Today's show is with my dear friend, Wendy Kennedy, who is an intuitive, an empath, and a channel. She has been using her gifts and abilities to communicate with higher dimensional beings for the past 25 years, and she assists others in recognizing and releasing their patterns and limiting beliefs to create the foundation for a life filled with greater health, abundance, love, and joy. You are so going to enjoy this interview because I learned a lot, and I really, really enjoyed it. Wendy has also been a lecturer and channeled at 125-plus live paid events, and her online videos have had over 1 million views, y'all. She is one of the most – she would never say this, but I'll say it for her. She is the top, one of the top 10 channels in the entire world. She was one of the six channels featured in the movie and the book Tuning In, Spiritual Channelers in America. She was a featured guest on the docu-series interview with Extra Dimensions, which can currently be seen on Gaia TV. And our own work can be found in the book, The Great Human Potential, Walking in One's Own Light, which is now available in seven languages. On today's episode, you'll learn what channeling is and how you and everyone can do it, what is the ninth dimensional Palladian collective in the language of light, what you can do to tap into your personal guides, and how you can access higher vibrational energy to tap into your intuition for your business. This is the Creative Soulpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Demas. Let's go. Wendy Kennedy, thank you so very much for being one of my very
1: first guests. Yay! Oh, hey, Nick. Thanks for having me. I'm very honored to be one of your very first guests.
0: It's so fun to have a friend that you know to help you get started, right? Like, you, going go, doing it with strangers is one thing, but a friend, it actually in some ways makes you more nervous, I have to say, because, you know, you want your friends to be happy. You want them to be, uh I, you know, like I liken it to when I used to audition and I would go into an audition room. And when I knew the people behind the table, I was very, very nervous. But if I didn't know anybody, it was fine.
1: Does that make yeah. sense? It does. It does. It's that that, yeah, that desire to make sure that you're showing up, especially for your friends. So I get yeah. it. I know you mean, yeah.
0: So thank you so much. So I want everyone to know a bit about you and I, I read your bio, but I would love to hear it in your own words, uh, who you are, what you do, all that good stuff.
1: So uh, I am a channel and intuitive and an empath. And for 25 years, I've been using those skills and abilities to connect with beings in higher dimensions and bringing through galactic wisdom and spiritual tools to help heart-based sensitives so that they can live happier, healthier, and more joy-filled lives, which, you know, that's what we all want. So it's, it's looking at our patterns, our programs, our belief systems, and shifting our perspective so that we can start to create the things that we want in our lives. And I have a little extra guidance from beings on the other side who who've shared with me all kinds of tools and also just how the universe functions, you know, how we create, how we manifest and kind of the subtleties with that, that they refined it over the past 25 years and having a look at the smaller and smaller, more subtle frequencies and what we're creating and why we're creating it. So I've had the honor of doing that um, for quite some time. And I actually work with a lot of different beings. It's not just one particular group, and when I work with the public, typically uh, a collective of about 2,500 beings of light from the Pleiades star system come through. And I am a direct channel, so I kind of step aside and allow the guides to come through and have a conversation directly with you. So um, that's always interesting because I never know quite what they're going to say. Uh, it's kind of a surprise as it's coming through. But, you know, to me, channeling is just bringing in energy and or receiving energy, a frequency, and then translating it into a recognizable form. So any form of creativity can be a form of channeling. So it, where where's the source? For me, it's beings in a higher dimension. For someone else, it might be someone who's passed away, or it could be your own guides. Uh, It can also be the Akashic realm, where there are records of everything that ever was, is, and will be. So you can tap into that, or it's just simply source energy that you can bring in. And then the recognizable form might be speaking, in my case, as I speak it, or I actually write codes and, and information that I bring through. And then also, you know, it might be a piece of art that someone draws or poetry or dancing or singing. So any form of creativity can be an expression of that energy. So that's kind of in a nutshell what I do.
0: Yeah. I love how you say that because I think when you hear the word channel or channeling, it can feel um, foreign or scary or not something that, that, that people believe that, that they are capable of. Right. Yeah. And I love how definitely. you say that, you know, your art, you're channel, you're a channel. Right. We talk about this a lot of like removing the obstacles, getting the obstacles out of the way so that you're clear. You're a clear channel for your creativity to come through you. Um, How did did it start for you? Did you always know that you were a channel?
1: No. (laughs) So for (laughs) me as a child, you know, I had a pretty normal upbringing and as a child, I was always fascinated by. UFO stories and stories of Atlantis, you know, in school we used to get those, was it Scholastic? That you could choose the books that you wanted to order. Yeah. And, you know, you would, you'd choose us. I would always choose the ones like on Project Blue Book or, or Ghost. And so I think from a young age, I was always drawn to that, but it wasn't until I was in my mid twenties and I started having visions and I didn't know what they were. I didn't know anybody who, was channeling at the time. I didn't even know really what it was, and so I started doing some research to see what those visions were, and along the way, I came across channeling, and I knew it was something that I was supposed to be doing. I didn't know how to do it. Um, I got some books, and I just started doing some of the exercises, and it took me quite a while. Uh, it talked, took me about nine months or so, and I say quite a while, um, but really, that's this quite Fast, especially 25 years ago, uh, it's much easier for people today to tap into that energy. The overall frequency of the planet is much, much higher. But you know, I had done a lot of work before I got to that point. Um, I have a degree in theater and film, and you know, going through school back in the late 80s, early 90s, I was exposed to yoga. I was exposed to um, working with the body, doing Feldenkrais and uh, Alexander technique, things that got me in touch with that, and you know just the process of an actor looking at the emotions, looking at the motivation, and that's pretty much what we do here we're looking at our belief systems that are you know that's creating our reality, so it's the same thing for an actor so I had that that exposure, and I was already doing some of that digging in terms of personal growth, so that when I started getting these visions. Um, you know, I already had my own practices in place. I had been studying meditation and things like that, so it just kind of evolved from there. And uh, you know, it, it, I can remember saying to friends, "I know this sounds strange, but I know I'm supposed to be doing this." And so I just kept with it. And then one day, um, I, you know, I've been trying to do it through, through speaking verbally trying to get the words out and it just wasn't happening but I'd have very visceral responses my my limbs would tingle and my eyes would flutter and water but I couldn't get the words out and one day I knew I was supposed to have a pen and paper and I sat down and it just started automatic writing and it's kind of developed from there so it, you know this is an ability that everybody has it's not unique to me um, it would be like everyone has the ability to play the piano Uh, If we study some people, it comes in a much easier way. And some people are, you know, exceptionally proficient at it. And they will do that as a career. Other people will do it as a hobby. So it's the same thing with the channeling. Everybody has the ability to do it. It's just a matter of whether you have the volume turned up so that you can hear the signals and interpret them.
0: Mm, That is so good. There's so much there. Um, You mentioned that you knew you were supposed to do this. And it felt like you almost had been prepped all the way through your life to get to that point where, you know, with everything that you'd studied and it felt like it was like prepping you for the moment of I'm supposed to do this. And you were telling friends, did you also tell your family right away? Was there like a coming out? I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Like,
1: (laughs) In a way, yes. Um, My brother, I did tell my brother early on, and, you know, I can remember telling him at the very beginning, you know, this sounds crazy, I know, but he was already open to all of that. He already had some really mystical experiences with the Sufis, and uh, he'd been exposed to a lot of different cultures and religions along the way. So, you know, having that conversation with him was easy, um, and I, w- I wasn't quite sure how my parents would do with it, but it, I had been doing it for a few months before I told them, and they were very curious about it, and they were exceptionally supportive of me, um, so I've been very blessed throughout my life to have a very supportive family, and so it's, in some ways, it's probably the most natural thing you can do. Yeah. Um, it's kind of not normal uh, to be disconnected. To not be able to hear. And I think, you know, if there's one thing that is kind of the driving force and the reason that I do this, it's really to help people to change that perspective to see that this is really how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be connected to everyone and everything. And this isn't um, something that is just so far out there. I'm a pretty grounded person, and I I can really kind of walk the line between the two worlds. Um, It's easy to look at somebody else and say, oh, well, you know, they're hippie, or, um, you know, they're just cuckoo. They're woo-woo. So, yeah. Yeah. Not my favorite word by the way. <laughs> Me either. I don't like that word.
0: It's so it's so derogatory.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, there's so many, yeah, there's so many beliefs we have attached with that. Yeah. Um that it's flighty and that it's airy yeah. and and that's really what I want to change is that perspective. Right. That it's that far out there because really it's not. It's something that you know, it used to be the core of Uh, of our society, you know, we used to know that we were connected and that there were beings from other systems that we were interacting with. And then we've lost that knowledge over, over time. So it's kind of getting back to that awareness.
0: And that's exactly why I wanted to have you on as one of my first guests, because you are grounded because you are my friend. (laughs) I wouldn't have you as a friend if you weren't (laughs) because you're the real deal and you're brilliant at what you do. And yet you have this understanding right, that um, that can bridge both worlds, which is, what I think, vital and important as we move forward into sort of this new paradigm that we're shifting into. You know, when I had my spiritual coming out, so to speak, to my parents, I um, told them that I was able to, uh, that I had some psychic ability, that I was a bit of a medium, and I was having this conversation, and my dad, my dad, talk about down to earth, he goes, well, now I've heard absolutely everything. And my mother says, well, we have a next door neighbor who does the same thing, only she does it for a living. <laughs> I said, yeah, so do I, sort of. <laughs> right? Because there are ways in which you can use this in your life, in your work, no matter what it is that you do.
1: Right. You don't have to hang the shingle that says, this is what I do. It's just a tool. It's you know, and I'm I'm always amazed that once I start talking about what I do, people are like, Oh my gosh, I have that same ability or I've always been fascinated by this and I have this experience or that experience because there's been so much persecution around utilizing our psychic abilities that we still are carrying that wound and we're not sharing because people make fun of it. Oh it's Mm woo-woo. You know, we feel like we're gonna be persecuted for it. But once you start talking about it, I think most people will be shocked how many people have that sensitivity, but they're just not talking about it because they're afraid that they're going to be locked up or made fun of or that those that they care about are not going to love them anymore because of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it goes generations, too, generationally. My grandmother had what we used to call her visions, right, which I now know and get, you know, what that is. But it used to be this, like, secret within the family that grandma had visions. Do you know what I mean? Rather than yeah. actually talking about the fact that she was just tapped in, you know, mm-hmm. it's about tapping into, to the self, to the, the, the highest self, to whatever, whatever it is that you experience it as, right? Yeah. Like,
1: well, I was going to say, looking back, you know, I think both my parents are pretty sensitive. My father has the ability to recall history and my mother's always like, where did you, where did you learn that? And he's like, well, I saw something on TV. She's like, I'm with you 24 hours a day. <laughs> I know you didn't see that on TV, um, you know, and he's got a sensitivity. So does my mother and my grandmother, um, uh, my great-grandmother, actually. Uh, married and buried five husbands, had a crystal ball, red tarot. Uh, always joke about it in the family. I was like, you know, um, did they all die of natural causes? You know? <laughs> um, but, you know, the, that is in the genetic line. Um, But it's also a skill, like I said, that all of us have the ability to to tap into. But I know what you mean. It's it's not so talked about. And, you know, I kind of had to pull teeth and to ask some pointed questions about the rest of the family to find some of that stuff out.
0: And when you were first learning, you know, this was 20-some years ago when it wasn't as accessible. How did you do it? Like, did you go to books? Did you find somebody? Like, how did you get what you needed to do.
1: There were really two books, and that was it. There was, and I wish I could find the first one again. I I don't know what I did with it. I don't know if I loaned it to someone and and never got it back. It was just this tiny little book that had some meditations in it. And the other one uh, was Sanaya Roman, opening to channeling and opening to channel. And I did some of the exercises in that because this time it would have been probably um, around 93, when I started kind of having the visions and started reading and and all of that. And there really were very few people out there at that time. There was a Seth material. I think Barbara Marciniak uh, had come out, and she was just starting to do some stuff. I think maybe her first book was out. Um, so it really was a lone effort. I didn't, I didn't really have anybody to talk to about it. And I think I've done this for many lifetimes. So there was a sense of recall, I think, as well, um, and tapping back into that. And about nine months after I started, I started to channel verbally, which, you know, I put the pen down because I was hearing the words well in advance of what I was writing, and it was becoming cumbersome, and I said, put the pen down. And finally, when I did that, the Pleiadian Collective came through, and like I said, they take point for when I work with the public, but once I started channeling verbally, then things really opened up. I met two um, women, great friends. Um, They were already doing their work, and the three of us would get together um, almost every night for a year. It was just an amazing way to play and explore, and, you know, I was in my mid-20s. We all were, and, you know, instead of going out to bars and drinking, we were hanging out and kind of tuning in and checking in, and because there were three of us, it allowed me the ability to be the observer and also to listen at the same time so they could practice. One would ask a question, the other would get the answer. And I would often hear the very same thing um, that was being – the information that was being given. So it was a very quick way for me to learn to trust what I was hearing to get that sense of confirmation um so I was lucky early on to have that support of close friends to kind of play and explore the gift but at the very beginning I was on my own you know and and just explore and I love that you're yeah. saying
0: play right and explore and because I think that people think of it as being so serious that you have to that you have to yeah. that, and it is you know there is a responsibility to what you are doing but you allow yeah. yourself that time to be a beginner Right, you allowed yourself that time to, to explore and see what would come through and how it would come through and, and how it worked for you because I, I think that it, well, it works differently for everyone. Yes and right? no.
1: So the process is the same. We're, we're taking okay. in frequency. We're, we're reading subtle energy. And then how we choose to interpret it is going to be different for each person. Um, we have typically one of three senses. We can actually use all five senses. But most of us, we're either seeing, we're hearing, or we're feeling it in our body. You can also taste and smell, but that's pretty rare. Um, I occasionally do smell. My grandmother shows up, uh, and I smell. It's its roses when she's around. Just out of nowhere in a closed room, I'll smell roses. But how we interpret that and how you recognize the symbols and the energy, the way that you translate it, it's going to be unique to you. But the process is pretty much the same. and. One of the most important things to do is just to make sure you're grounded, you're in your body, and that you're in your heart center because you can't access that stuff. You can't access the higher frequencies. You can't read the subtle frequencies if you're in fear. So there are so many fears that people have Mm. about doing this. And if you're in that space, you can't receive the information. If you're in the heart center space, then you're inherently protected because the frequency is higher. The problem is we don't stay there. We drop out. And, um, you know, that's where the ego gets in the way, that the information feels a little muddy, um, that, you know, we're invested as we start this journey. We're asking personal questions usually, and we're invested in the answers. So, um, you know, it really is a matter of us staying in that heart-centered space and staying with the information, because when you're in that space, it actually does feel different. And and I think that's kind of hard to intellectualize. It's something that kind of has to be felt. But when you experience, you say, oh, yeah, this, I know this. My intuition feels different. Whether you call it intuition or channeling, it's, it's pretty much the same thing. You're accessing um, a, a higher level of information. And the guides often describe it as, you know, having two operating systems. We have the operating system of the mind, which is where all our ego programs are. And it allows us to experience this reality from a level of separation. So it's an illusion, but in order to play this game of separation, it has to be there. And it filters out all the multidimensional information. So all that higher knowledge and wisdom. When you go into the heart-centered space, there are no programs of lack limitation or separation. And it's what allows you access to the higher realms and the way things truly are. So when you access that higher vibrational energy, you're actually um, getting multi-level bits and pieces of information all at once. So the best way I can explain that is if I were to say it's 75, it's a nice day. So if I say it's a nice day, what I know is that it's 75 degrees, the birds are chirping, the grass is green, there's a scent of rose in the air. So there's a lot more data and information that comes along with that statement. And when you're accessing your intuition or you're accessing the higher knowledge, that's how it feels. It feels very rich. It feels very full. There's a lot more that comes along with it Mm -hmm. than just the thought that runs through your head. And you have a sense of that. When you access just your imagination through the ego and your ego's involved, it feels very, very flat. So when you are working and you're channeling, I'll say working, when you're exploring that higher resonance it does feel different. Yeah, it feels You're different. You're working, yeah. And that's something <laughs> yeah. that, you know, I can't really tell you what that's going to feel like for you, but I'm sure every person has had that experience at one point or another. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, I was just going to say, at some point in your life, you've had that experience, the feeling of being in the zone, in flow, in whatever it is that you want to call it. Or, you know, I used to experience that quite a bit when I was a director. I would be directing a scene. And I would be so immersed in it, so in it that I would forget everything else that was happening around until the stage manager would have to come up to me and say, <laughs> we have to take a break. Like they've been trying to get my attention for five to 10 minutes, but I was so in this this space yeah. that it, it was a channel, Absolutely. right? It was channeling yeah. uh, of sort. Um, I love that. Yeah, it, it's 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 you know it, it, those are those moments in life when you're like oh if I could stay there always right like you have that, that 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 sense or that feeling. Talk to me about the the ninth dimensional Palladian collective and what that is and what that means exactly.
1: So the Pleiades is an open cluster of stars in the Taurus constellation uh, in the northern hemisphere in the winter you can see it. Um, if you look up at Orion's Belt and kind of go straight across just a little bit up, you'll see this hazy cluster of stars at the Pleiades. And we are connected with the system. Um, there have been beings from that system who have been working with us, and many of us feel connected and drawn to that system. We might have spent some time there. And they're here to help us learn how to be stewards for the planet so that we can take over that. So they're here to kind of shepherd us along. Um, for those that are familiar with the, the Pleiadians, uh, most of the time when people think about the Pleiadians, they think of the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Nordics. Those are physical, fifth-dimensional beings, um, but the beings that I work with are beings of light, and uh, rather than incarnate to a planet the way that we do, they actually align with the blueprint or kind of the mission or the... Um, the desired exploration of a star. So Alcyon or Alcyone, however you want to pronounce it, uh, is the central star in the Pleiades, and they work with her, and she is a library. So all of the experiences throughout the entire galaxy get stored there. So think of it like the Library of Congress in the United States. Um, So all of those books are there, and you can find them all in one place, or there are, you know, books um, that are pulled from the shelves at the local library. You've got the main library. And then, um, you know, you can think of yourself as kind of the paperback book. So all the experiences that have ever been can be accessed through your own field. But there are different levels that you can go. You can go to Mother Earth and access the records there, the collective collective consciousness. You can go to our star or you can go to Alcyon. So those are kind of the levels of Uh, access to information and records. And there are beings whose sole purpose is to help access those records. So if you are looking for something special, you might go to the librarian at the Library of Congress and ask her, where can I find this? I'm looking for something on this. You know, where do I go? And they're proficient at finding exactly what you need. And so it is with these beings. And the Pleiadians, part of what they're here to do is to help us with that. So they look at our own records Uh, of what we've experienced as souls and what information we need in order to grow, to shift our perspective um, and to be a, you know, to be of service as well. So that's who they are and why they're here. And there is an aspect of myself that is part of that collective of 2,500 beings. And I agreed before I incarnated here to do this work. So they take point, but like I said, I actually work with many different beings and um, you know, for me, I work a lot with beings from other star systems. So it's not so much the.
0: Okay, so it's not just the one. Correct. There are several for you that you access from. Correct. And when you're working with a with a client or with with, with or with a group, even, do, does one automatically show to you? Do you call upon them? How does that happen? For so you? the
1: and Collective always come first. They're kind of gatekeepers. So in terms of the public, uh, they always show up first. In my own personal life, it depends on what I'm working on. Because I have one guide, she's specifically with health. I know when when I you know sit down, I I get into the the space that I need to be in, and I open up. She'll be the first one to show up, and I know we're going to talk about health. Um, I have my own <laughs> angelic guides. Um, I have a twelfth dimensional being who will show up who is also a guide in helping me to understand how the universe works. Um, I have a a guide who comes in from Sirius. Every meditation that I ever do, whether it's before I do a group event or for my monthly subscription, there's always a meditation. There's a certain being who will come through because that's their area of expertise. And that's the energy that they want infused into um, the information. So, like I said, you know, there's the information that we process mentally, and then there's all this energetic that comes along with it. So different beings will show up at different times, and usually in conjunction with the Pleiadian collective when I work with the public. So it's like they braid their energy together. So mm. if you've ever seen me channel, you might notice that the energy will shift or oh, it sounds slightly different all of a sudden. It's because other beings will come in and braid their energy with the Pleiadians, um, and I don't always. Note or i don 't always stop to tell people who else is coming in, um, but sometimes these other beings will come in to to put energy into into what 's being deposited um, because as we have the experience as you 're hearing the information they 're depositing energy in your field um, because it 's being recorded, everything that you experience is being recorded in your field, so what we 'll do is as we 're ready we'll kind of unpack that energy, but we're getting these downloads. We're getting packets of information that, that we then can utilize a, in the future. Think about getting a zip file sent to you, and then you can unpack it on your computer and access the files when you're ready. So, um, yeah, the Pleiadians tend to come in first and foremost, but there are lots of other beings that, that kind of show up, and especially when I do the language of light, which is um, a universal language that all life understands. And the guides come through, and they speak in their own dialect of the language of light that speaks to your soul. Your soul gets it. The mind just thinks it's gibberish. But it helps you to shift your frequency. It's like someone playing a note on the piano, so you can recreate it.
0: Oh, I love that, that, that piano, because when I listen to your language of light, because I'm a member of your monthly, that when I listen to the language of light, it is gibberish. But in, for me, it actually helps me. Because it takes me out of my head and places me into that heart by merely listening in the same way that you do with music. With music, you you're, you're, you, you lose the head if you can, unless you're dissecting the music itself. Yeah. But if you're, you know what I mean? Otherwise, you just, you you fall into it and you just fall into the music and it feels the same way with the language of light, which is one of the reasons why I find it so powerful.
1: Yeah, it, because it is that thing that it it just seems too easy in some ways, but I think we make it way too hard. And and it really is giving us a reference point that we forgot that we can access that frequency. It's like you knowing that you have a tool that's available to you and you just forget completely that it's there until somebody reminds you, have you thought about that? That's there for you. And they're, oh yeah, totally. Duh. Why didn't I do that? Or why didn't I use that? And that's really what the language of light is. It's It's connecting us to that higher resonance and we're able to shift our field when we hear it. It's pointed out. If somebody asks you to sing the note of C, for most of us we don't have perfect pitch and it's exceptionally difficult. But if somebody plays the piano, it's really easy to reproduce it. And that's what happens with the language of light.
0: Mm, that is so beautiful. Okay, you mentioned that you have guides and clearly we all must have guides, right? Yes. Because we all have this this ability to tap in. So how do we begin to tap into, how do we access these guides? How, what what do you tell beginners when, if they want to uh, become more intuitive, if they want to tap in a bit more?
1: So there really are a couple of things that you need to do. So the first thing is to ground. If you aren't grounded, then it's very, very difficult. One, because you aren't completing your energetic circuit. You're not running full energy through the body. And then secondly, Uh, It's you don't have good discernment if you're not grounded. It's very difficult to tell what's what. So if you don't feel grounded and connected to your body, you're not going to feel safe either. And uh, for most of us, like I said, there are lots of fears around accessing this higher information about manipulation, safety, security, um, persecution from other lifetimes. What if I get it wrong? Sense of responsibility. I mean, the list is endless. Of all the things that we fear about accessing this higher wisdom. So, as we are grounded, it makes it much, much easier for us to access. And then the second part is getting heart centered. Thinking of something that makes you smile. The guides say that's the easiest way to get into the space. You can meditate, but as you well know, meditation serves different purposes um, depending on what you want to achieve. You're going to work in a different way. But this is the fastest way to get us into that space. If you're somebody who's very uh, mind oriented, and it's very difficult for you to quiet your mind, meditation is a great practice for you to start with, or simply doing something that's creative for the sake of being creative, not for an outcome. Because when you're in that purely creative state, you're in your heart center. So that can be a practice for you and a way for you to quiet the mind enough so that finally you can get to that heart-centered space. You can feel what's going on. And then you have to ask a question. The more specific you are, the easier it is for your guides to give you information. Because when you say, well, what do I need to know? They say, well, that's a very long list. And they actually <laughs> will look through um, what it is that you want to know and how the information that they give you impacts you. So. You know, they also say that true knowledge has to be sought. It can't just be given. So you have to have a curiosity about it in order for them to give you some of the higher knowledge and wisdom. So the more curious you are, the faster that's going to come. And then it's, it's really about trust, trusting in yourself, trusting in the information as you receive it. It's going to feel like your imagination at first. This is pretty typical for everybody. But whether it's your imagination or you actually were opening up and receiving information from your higher self or from one of your guides, doesn't really matter. There's a reason why that energy has come up and presented itself to you. Either it's helping you to integrate something that needs to be integrated so you can access that higher information, or it's you being given that higher information. It's, it's one or the other. Every moment is an opportunity for us to either express or suppress divine light. So if we're suppressing it we're just in our ego, then this is an opportunity for us to open up to express it, all right, to learn whatever it is that we need to learn in the moment to get us to the higher space. So it's, you know, it's a process. In the moment, you might have complete clarity of, oh, my gosh, this is what I'm getting. And then two (laughs) seconds later, you're back in the head going, was that real? I don't know. Was that accurate? <laughs> Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I mean that, that's no different than meditation, right? You're you're in that that space, and then boom, you're out of it, right? Yeah. It's a practice. It's a practice. It's a practice. Yeah. Or like anything, uh, any creative endeavor, it's a it's a practice. It
1: is, and that's is exactly true. That if it, and if you want to be good at it, you have to practice, like anything,
0: right? Right. So, okay, you're a really impressive business person. <laughs> And you are, you've been in business for 20 years. You have a thriving, thriving business. Um, how, how do you use intuition? How do you use this in your business? You know, there's all these funnels out there. There's do this, do that, do this. How do you use intuition to know, okay, this is right for me or this funnel and, and I should follow this marketing advice, but honestly, that doesn't really work for me. Because we talk a lot in in my courses anyway, about sort of the divine masculine and the divine feminine of of business, of trusting your intuition as well as the structure and finding what works for you. How have you done that?
1: You know, it's, it's been a really interesting journey. I think at the beginning, it, in some ways, it was much easier because I was just kind of in the flow. My guides were giving me information. I was kind of testing some things out and I'd go and ask them, I was like, what do you want to talk about? How do you want to do this? And, you know, it's not like my guys are saying, go here and go do this. It's more, they allow me to figure some things out and then go back and ask them about it. It's, it's not like, we want you to go do this now. Um, if, we don't work that way. And if, for me, if I would, had that kind of relationship, I wouldn't do anything. Because I'm very stubborn and I have to kind of come thing, come to things on my own. You know, I would immediately go, no, yeah. I'm not going to do that if that's what you know. <laughs> I need to have my free will. <laughs> so I think at the beginning, in some ways, it was easier. And then as I wanted to build my business, I started going back and, you know, going back into the mind about what I needed to do and kind of swung too far with the pendulum in that direction. And now it's kind of coming back to the middle ground and knowing knowing what I already knew how to do and and re-implementing that, Um, checking in more often and kind of going against the grain in many ways, especially for the kind of work that I do and that I think creatives in general do because we're on the leading edge of a lot of things. And so by the time we start doing the norm, we're no longer on the leading edge if we're going back. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So
0: oh, it completely makes sense. We're
1: having to be in the moment and just kind of checking in in terms of, well, what do I really feel called to do? Or, you know, how do I feel like I want to shape this or create this? I know that people say I, I should be doing it this way, but that just doesn't feel right in my body. My body feels heavy. Um, I feel shut down. It doesn't feel good to me. And there is a difference if you check in in what feels heavy because it's fearful and you notice that you're completely contracted or if it just, you have a sense that it's just not appropriate. It's not the appropriate step. You, there's a sense of, you know, we know when we're lying to ourselves, if we really check in, we know, yeah, yeah I, I know that I'm a little scared about that or I have this limiting belief as opposed to it just doesn't feel right. And,
0: and there's a bravery Yeah. in saying this doesn't feel yeah. right for me. Right. Because everyone just because everyone else is doing it doesn't mean that it's right for me. That's brave. Yeah. Right. And But you're right. Completely different than, oh, that scares me. That's a different energy.
1: Yeah. And I and I think that's also important is just to trust in yourself, just because this is what everybody else is doing doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to work for you and the people that are drawn to you. So uh, and that's been an interesting balance for me trying to figure that out. As I move forward, Um, and I think with a lot of um, the business advice and really the things that we know that people want, it's about connection. It's about doing things that if you have emotional intelligence, you really are going to do naturally and you want to be of service but not to the detriment of yourself you're you're finding that balance between nurturing yourself and having a full cup so that you can be of service to others and i think when you when you are able to do that you know really the steps that need to happen you can take that old framework you can in, in terms of marketing and business you can take the pieces that resonate that are working and then you know you can take that and and modify it to serve
0: yeah to to tweak them to Work for you and your business and and your your customer, yeah. right? I think that that's one of the big. I was just going to ask you. New thought. <laughs> I was going to ask you, has your what I call your heroine or your hero, has your ideal customer shifted over the years, or have you always had the same question?
1: That's a really good question. Um, I think what I've wanted to do. And who I've wanted to serve has been pretty consistent. I mean, like I said to you, I'm pretty clear that making this, making the work that I do seem normal has kind of been part of my mission um, and just bringing through the knowledge and wisdom. Now, how I've done that has shifted most definitely. Um, the Language of Light, when I started working with that, that was such a major detour for me six years ago because I was known for my channeling. Uh, and not so much for the language of light and the drawings that that I do. Um, but the message was still the same. It was just another tool and a way for people to get there. Um, so I think in many ways the client has stayed relatively the same. Well, I say that and I, I should probably take that back because at the beginning I was a little bit more of a beginner. And I was a few more steps ahead of my ideal client. And now there are people who can kind of step into that role, and I have a lot more knowledge and wisdom. So I I do in some ways want to work with people who have been around the block. I don't want to teach kindergarten. I'd rather teach Ph.D. students. So, But the interesting thing is, is that I keep going back to the basic information. As we get more advanced, we go back and we revisit the basic stuff, and we look at it in detail. As opposed to your eyes, yeah. With
0: a fresh, with a fresh yeah. eye, right? And then you can go back in and you dig further, and yeah, like you said, like the, 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 the you can paint in yeah. those 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 places where before you were just sort of coloring around the line. Oh, that's a nice so visual. To
1: yeah, totally. Yeah. So we're moving into a new paradigm. Yeah, we're there. Right. <laughs> Well, you're like, we're already there. <laughs> you know, <this> is, <laughs> we're there. This is the time we've been asking for. You know, so many of us have been asking for things yeah. to shift and change. And honestly, what we're going through right now in terms of the pandemic, um, the guys say this was probably the easiest way for us to have this shift. There were far more dramatic ways we could have created it. Um, but, you know, this is the time that we've asked for. This is an opportunity for us to see what is working, what is not working. And to start building some new things to take our energy out, not necessarily fight what we don't like, but just to simply remove our energy and start putting it into things that we want to see expand, things that we want to build, whether that's in terms of government, uh, whether that's in terms of our health, our education, our communities. It's really stepping up and putting our energy where we want it to be instead of defaulting uh, and letting somebody else you know, kind of drive the car. It's time to step up.
0: Oh, preach. That was a preach moment. That was like a boom. Because <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing with a lot of my clients and I'm sure you are too, this sense of loss from some of them. And and I keep reminding them that they're, that this, the shift has happened, yeah. happening happened and that you can either stay in the sorrow of it. And yeah, sure. Feel free to mourn for a moment or two, or however long that takes you, but it's already happened. Yeah. And so now is the opportunity. There is a great opportunity here for you in business, in life, in any way that feels resonant and right to, for you to make the change that you've always wanted and that you've always known was to happen.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think enough people are, are now waking up to say, okay, wait, this isn't quite what we want. So, we have a tremendous opportunity right now when so many people are focused on you know really examining where we're at and where we want to go, and I feel actually quite hopeful about that um, and it's kind of exciting
0: I am incredibly hopeful I feel like because we're collectively moving yes right we've been we've been individually moving many of us have been shifting and growing and changing and and opening, opening. And I feel as a whole, as a society, where it's sort of catching up with some of the work that some of us have been doing for a while. Yeah, Does that make sense? Totally,
1: totally. And I think, you know, in some ways, when we started a little earlier, uh, while there might not have been as many people going through the same kind of, or doing the same kind of work that we were doing, uh, we had a little longer to process through some of that stuff.
0: Oh, my and, gosh, that is so good.
1: And those that are waking up late who kept hitting that snooze alarm, uh, it's kind of a rude awakening. Uh, and it's, it's going to be intense for those people. And if, you, if you've been doing any sort of work, um, you know, you're really being called right now to step up so that you can hold the space, so that you can stay calm in the midst of chaos. So that you can be the lighthouse, you can be that strong, steady lighthouse that calls people to you. It's not about going out necessarily and finding all those people. They're going to spot you when you show up and you are that calm, centered being that's holding compassion, that's extending grace um, because their fear is up and they've forgotten who they are. They're up in that operating system of the head and they need to be reminded to move down into that heart-centered space.
0: And that's exactly the word that I was thinking is grace when you said that because when you said about well we we had some time we had to fit on 25 years or however long that we've been in the process right yeah. that some grace for those that are the alarm is just now going off you know or they hit the snooze and they kind of weren't paying attention or whatever that it's happening at a, at a quicker rate now yeah. right the world is speeding up and the universe is speeding up or it feels that it is to us anyway Well, it is.
1: That's a whole (laughs) other. The guides actually give a lot of information about that because it is impactful to our perception of reality. Right. Right. Do you want to go off on that little tangent? (laughs) Yeah. Sure. Why not? (laughs) So, um, you know, as we go higher in frequency, our perception of time compresses. So it actually feels like time is speeding up. As we reach the dimensional barrier and we we cross that invisible line, it's a frequency range that we play in. Um, And each dimension is set up with a certain um, set of fixed rules. So think about it like soccer or basketball or football. All those games have different rules which allow you to go and explore and play in a different way. So the third dimension has been set up with this construct of time. Because when you enter into density and you are – if you're immediately manifesting thought, you're constantly going through the death cycle because you think, oh, my gosh, this is a horrible place. I'm not safe. And then you create and manifest that experience, and off you go. So Mm. the illusion of time was created as well so that we would have a moment to, you know, to say, all right, well, I'm not safe. And then here's this frequency, this opportunity that's not safe. And you say, all right, well, maybe I am safe. So you miss it. It passes you because you're no longer in that vibrational range to experience it. So it gave us time to adjust our frequency so that we weren't constantly going through the death cycle. So as we go up in frequency, this perception of time compresses. The guides uh, said that 2020 was going to feel like we had about eight hours to do what we normally had to do in a 24-hour day. They said 2021 is going to feel like we've got about four hours to get things done. I thought, wow. And, they, you know, they've been telling me this for 25 years. And I was like, well, you know, early on, I thought, well, what is that like? What, you know, how is that going to feel? I don't really get that. I get it now. <laughs> you know? like, yeah.
0: You're like, now that we're here, I get it.
1: <laughs> I just got up, and I barely got anything done, and now it's time to go to bed. So I get it. But, you know, as we get higher and we, we get into that heart centered space, we actually can start to manipulate time. So we can either make things feel like it's happening in a shorter amount of time or we can expand it. We have the ability to do both. Um, if you've ever had a really amazing experience, um, maybe you felt like you've just spent half an afternoon doing something that you love only to find out it's been an hour. Or vice versa. It might be something that um, the time just flew by uh, because you were so in the moment.
0: Which is going back to that zone thing or the flow state, right? Like. Yeah. When I was directing in that moment, it felt like it was an instant. Yeah. And yet it had been an hour and a half, and the, the stage manager was like, hello, time to take a break. Versus when I go to the dentist, which is one of my least favorite things to do in the entire world, sitting with my mouth open, and I, wa- I can watch the clock just tick, 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 right? Like, it feels like two minutes is that hour and a half.
1: Yeah. And they say that time is, a, is simply a marker. It's like the Dewey Decimal System. It allows you to find a specific frequency. It like tells you exactly where it's located. And when we reach such a certain height, what we'll be able to do, vibrationally, it, what we'll be able to do is to kind of project ourselves back into a now moment, into a frequency. So, um, you know, driving a car, you know, it. It might take typically in traffic an hour for you to get there, but you can align your energy to get there in a half an hour, which logically might not even be physically possible to the logical mind. But because we're energetic beings, we can, we can construct our reality in a different way and actually show up at the time that we want. So that's, it's just a marker, and we have to focus our energy on that specific frequency of that moment and this may sound strange but
0: the, i believe that's why what well, we're recording this on zoom right now right and yeah. i believe that that, that that's part, this is part of that gateway right that we're coming into this like you were saying about needing to feel safe and this is a safety like oh well i can i can accept this level right we get we keep moving and this is a, one of those safety levels that that we're coming to as a whole right so that we can then Move to the next yeah. level, so to speak.
1: Yeah, definitely. And you know, it's it for many, it's shattering in terms of their reality um, to to think that time was a constant, and it's really not. So we're kind of going in increments. We're getting these these uh, opportunities to kind of absorb the new information, to take it in, so that we can move more towards our true nature. Which is a multi dimensional being of light.
0: Love that. Thank you, Wendy, so very much. First of all, do you have any final thoughts, anything that you want to leave us with?
1: You are already that which you seek to become. I think that's the thing that, that pops to mind here that a lot of times we, we are struggling to think about well, what do I need to clear? What needs to be fixed? It's really not about that. Mm. You are already this amazing, beautiful, divine spark. And that exists within you. That is immutable. And then you cover it up with these illusions that you're not enough, that you're not loved, that you're not safe, that you're not cared for, that you're separate. And they're filters. And they're illusionary. So think about it like dirt on a window. All right? If you're on the outside, then the light doesn't seem very bright as you're looking at it. But if you clear off the window, there's all this brilliant light that can pour out. Uh, And that's what's happening, As we're we're this beautiful spark of light, and we're trying to put that through all the, the dirty filters. On the outside, that light appears to be diminished, and we're looking at the world through a reflection. We're looking at everything that's showing up and being mirrored back to us. So we're seeing things from the outside in, typically. Most of us have been conditioned to look from the outside in. But really see yourself as that beautiful, divine spark and let go of the idea that you're not enough, that you're not loved, that you're not supported, all those things that make you feel separate. And then the reality will start to show up that reflects that beautiful, brilliant light because there's no more of that muck in the way. So there's nothing that you really have to do except for align and see yourself as already being that which you seek to become. Live from that space.
0: That's stunning. That is absolutely stunning. I, I, I mean, that's gorgeous. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so
1: much for having me. It's Always fun to, to sit and chat.
0: <laughs> Just to chat, right? <laughs> it was like a friend chat. It was awesome. Um, how can everyone find you?
1: So they can find me over on my website at higherfrequencies.net. Or you can find us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. All of those are Uh, higher frequencies, but HGR frequencies. So uh, facebook.com slash HGR frequencies, Twitter, Instagram, all the rest the same.
0: We'll put that in the show notes so that everyone can click right on it and look at it and go find you because I know that they're going to want to learn more from you. You are such a wealth of spiritual knowledge and uh, heart-based wisdom. So thank thank you so very much for Being one of my first guests. Yay! Uh, Yay! (laughs) Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave us a review so other solopreneurs like yourself can find us.